the passage that I'll be reading uh, uh, today comes from Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. The fellowship of the believers. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And her, all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Uh, this is the word of God today. Thank you, Yongchan. Uh, so today, uh, we're finally starting a new sermon series. Uh, this is going to be a good one. It's going to be a series that will lay out the core values of our church. So for the next four weeks, each week, we're going to look at a specific core value, right? And I uh, would like you to think of this as a key identifying principle, which really upholds the vision of the world church. And the vision is this to be a community of disciples who know and make known the God who ultimately satisfies all people. That's why the world church exists. And the purpose of this series is to look together at these core values to help us really understand what we're doing, like what we're on about and why. And if we're not living out these core values, if we're not upholding this vision, this is a series to help us get back on track. And today we're looking at the very first core value, and that is authenticity. Um, I'm, I'm a big uh, TV show buff, and one of my favorite shows of all time uh, is an older one called Band of Brothers. Uh, many of you have probably seen it before. It's, about, uh, it's a show about a small battalion of American soldiers in World War II, Easy Company of the 101st Airborne. And the great thing about uh, this show is you see uh, an in-depth look into this battalion and you get to see the bond that they share with each other, right? Starting from your training together uh, before they even pick up a rifle or are deployed all the way through till uh, you know, the war is over and Hitler is defeated. And you see uh, these bunch of guys that they're from all different races, ages, they come from different parts of America. And over the course of this journey, they, sh they share a deep and um, profound relationship with each other. They share these deep and honest moments with each other. And they hold each other during times of suffering. They experience death and loss. And when the, the war finally ends, they, they celebrate together in, in joyous victory. Right? They're on one common mission throughout this whole series. They share a deep bond, so much so that they're willing to die for one another. And this show, let me tell you, you had a, a big impact on me. I, I felt like after I'd finished watching the show, I'd been through this journey with them almost. Um, but it really impacted me because I realized I, I wanted what they had after watching the show. Like I wanted that deep, authentic connection in my own life with those around me to be a part of a community like that. And I'm not the only one. Right? So, sociologists and 
uh, statistics will tell us that we're living uh, in the most digitally connected generation of, of all time. Yeah, we're also the loneliest generation of all time. Something, something wrong there, right? I'm sure you all want this kind of authentic community too. Like we all crave deep and personal connections in our relationships. And the church is to be the embodiment of that kind of community. It's actually what we see today uh, in one of the very first churches that was ever established uh, in the New Testament, right? They're fresh. They don't have all of their theological convictions written down yet, but they are unashamedly authentic in the way that they relate to God and with each other. And in this example, we see that the church is a place where you can be known by others despite your flaws. The church is a community where you walk in love despite your differences. The church is a place where you can walk in deep relationships with those around you because you've been saved into one body by one God. And I, you know, I'm very aware that this probably hasn't been your experience of the church, maybe even our church. But I want us to look together at this passage and really let it soak into our hearts because this is an authentic picture of an authentic church. It's the kind of community that God is calling us to be. We're gonna look at four things that this early New Testament church devoted themselves to. And they all start with L, right? Four Ls. They were devoted to learning. They were devoted to loving. They were devoted to liturgy. And they were devoted to the lost, right? Devoted to learning, to loving, to liturgy, and the lost. The first is that they were a people devoted to learning. And that's the first thing that we see in this, in this example uh, of this church community devoting themselves to in verse 42, right? It says uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, learning, right? And remember, this passage is coming right off the, bank of, uh, right off the back of Pentecost, this crazy event where the Holy Spirit descends, uh, Peter preaches one sermon, and 3,000 people get saved. And after this crazy, unique, profound experience, the very first thing that the people devote themselves to is learning, right? just sitting at the apostles' feet, being hungry to learn and receive instruction, and they're persevering in it. Because it's not always gripping, right? That's the reality of, of learning. It's not, it's not these nonstop TED Talks. They're just devoting themselves to learning what the apostles are teaching, right? to the study of the gospel, reflection on the gospel, digestion of the gospel. And they're, they're devoting themselves to learning the gospel again and again and again. And this would become foundational in everything else that would follow and make them the kind of authentic church community that we see here. I'm not a big fan of uh, steak, of beef. I, I know many of you guys are, uh, but I do know that when you want to cook a proper steak, you know, just lather it in some sauce and chuck it in the microwave. Right? That's a travesty. And you put it on a grill and you give it time, you let it saturate in the marinade until it covers the whole thing, 
right? Until it soaks into every fiber of that steak. And in the same way, when we devote ourselves to learning the word of God as a community, we devote ourselves to letting God's word saturate every part of who we are, every fiber that changes us. It makes us proper. It makes us an authentic church community. I want to say that that means devoting ourselves to coming together to learn from the preaching of God's word. Even if it's not ideal right now through Zoom, and I, I know it's not. I know it's not easy to concentrate on one person speaking for 25 minutes. Even if the preacher isn't that interesting or doesn't have the best illustrations, I think it means devoting ourselves to reading and meditating on God's word even when we don't want to. It means learning together as we intentionally talk about God's word and sharpen each other in our CGs. It means devoting ourselves to, to learning what God says to us in his word about him, about us, about the church and the world and persevering in it, reflecting on it, submitting to it and letting it soak into our hearts and changing us. And devoting ourselves to learning, that's foundational. That's what we see here and being an authentic church. And it's foundational to being authentic in a way that's not you know, seasonal or temporary based on you know, some amazing experience. It, it goes deeper than that. It's a lasting authenticity. It's the first thing that we see, a people devoted to learning. But the second, uh, second thing that we see is a people devoted to loving, right? They loved each other. That's what we see in this passage. As we continue in verse 42, it says that they devoted themselves to the fellowship. And not only that, but if you read with me from verse 44, it says, and all who believed, to, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So they met together, right? That was a huge part of what it meant for, for them to love each other. They, they met together and had fellowship. And not only that, but they had this commonality. What do they have in common? Two things. First is that they had common burdens, right? They were human beings who struggled with things, who struggled with sins, and they, and they bore each other's burdens, right? They were able to be honest with each other about their sins in a way that they could you know, never have been honest to other people before. Because they were saying, here I am both by their physical presence, but also their vulnerability of heart. Here I am. I'm a broken person. I have these sins that I'm struggling with. I have these burdens in my life. And they were unashamed about it before each other. Because in each other, they saw someone who could admit that they didn't have what it takes, but were humbled and amazed by the grace of Jesus. And so they bore each other's burdens. They confessed sins to each other. They welcomed and affirmed and they admonished and they confronted each other. But they not only had a commonality in their burdens, they had a commonality in their possessions. That's what we read here. 
I, I don't know about you guys, but when I read this, like it seriously blows my mind that they did this. That they sold their possessions and they sought out actively the people who had need in their community and they tended to them. It, it blows my mind because you just don't see this happen. I'm not, I'm not talking about you know one instance of generosity. I'm talking about the whole church coming together day by day actively seeking all who had any need, selling their possessions and distributing the, pros the proceeds. It, it just, I don't understand how this could happen, but I do because it makes sense. Because when you have the kind of spiritual commonality that you see here where you're bearing each other's burdens and sins in light of the grace of Jesus, when you have that kind of spiritual commonality that leads to a physical commonality and an overflowing generosity of heart, you come, to, you come to understand that you haven't just been saved. Like that's not the Christian life. You haven't been saved to just be a better person or to be a Christian by yourself, but you've been adopted into a family where God becomes your father, Jesus becomes your elder brother and the church around you are now your brothers and sisters. That's the second thing that we see. People devoted to loving each other in their fellowship through this commonality that they had. The third thing that we see is people devoted to liturgy. And a liturgy is just a Christian word for corporate worship, right? Public worship, the gathering, right? Sundays, the CGs. Notice it says, you know, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And you know, when it says breaking of bread, that's not, just, that's not just talking about, you know, they were devoted to going out to you know, the local restaurant and just having some food together. It's talking about the Lord's Supper. Right? What they were doing as they were remembering Christ in communion, they were worshiping together. They were doing corporate worship. They were praying together. And if you read verse 46 with me, uh, it's, it says this. It says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And they met together. They attended the temple together. They took communion together. They prayed together. They worshiped and praised God together. They did it in small groups. They did it in large groups. They did it in the temple courts. They did it in their homes. And in verse 46, as they worship together, they're described as having glad and generous hearts. Right? They were a joyful people. Isn't that such an important mark of what it means to be an authentic church? You know, not just having the right doctrine, but having joy being marked with infectious, otherworldly joy. And if you're a Christian who is struggling to have joy in the Christian life, I want to ask you, when is the last time to your collection where you have been the most joyful in your Christianity? You know, when I think about those times in my life, I, I, I know for me, they've never been the times when I've been alone. There have never been the times when I've just been reading the Bible in my room, you know, listening to worship song. Those times have been great. 
But when I think about joy, when I think about having a glad and generous heart, there's never been the times when I've been by myself. There've always been the times where I've been together with God's people, with you guys, and worshiping together in the same room, exchanging testimonies of, of God's goodness in our lives, you know, being amazed at the love of God through Jesus Christ and celebrating that together. Those have been the most joyful moments of my Christian life. And we read here in this passage that that's what happens as you devote yourself to liturgy, to public worship, to corporate worship. You have this glad and generous heart. So my question to you would be simply, are you devoted to liturgy? Are you devoted to corporate worship? Do you understand that the Christian life, a Christian worship is not solitary. It's not for you to do by yourself. And if you have been struggling with joy in the Christian life, are you turning up to the gathering on the Sunday? Are you committing yourself to ACG? If we are to be an authentically joyful, alive people, we must devote ourselves to corporate worship, to liturgy. And finally, what we see here is that, that the early New Testament church, this image that we see here, they were a people devoted to the lost. We see this in verse 47. This is what it says. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You know, one of the most encouraging uh, and life-giving conversations that I remember having in my recent memory is uh, actually a really short conversation that I had with uh, you know, one of the sisters in our church. Uh, and I asked her this question, uh, you know, what, what, what motivates you? What moves you? And what makes you feel alive as a Christian? What makes your heart beat to, to, to minister to people? And she simply said, you know, when I see someone saved for the first time, when I see someone receive salvation for the first time, when I see someone put their trust and their faith in Jesus, you know, that makes all the sacrifice, all the blood, sweat and tears, all the rejection worthwhile. You know, it says the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. When we experience God himself using ordinary people like us, right, gifted differently, different stages, different ages, we see God himself using us to see people move from death to life, to see people saved. That is one of the most beautiful, life-giving things that we can ever experience as Christians as a church, right? It, it reinvigorates the heartbeat of our church. And, you know, when I think about our church community and the way that God is calling us to be authentic, this is such an integral part of what that means. We have to be devoted to the lost. 
And I know that if we even take a moment to think about our family members, our friends, our colleagues, there are people who need the salvation that only Jesus Christ has to offer. There are people who are desperate for an eternal satisfaction for a world that will not run dry. And, you know, this is going to be a separate core value that we touch on over the next month. But um, as we just see this as an integral part of what it means to be an authentic church, I, I want to call you as the church. I want to, and I'm not, you know, saying this exclusively to you guys. I'm calling myself too as a member of this church. We must be devoted to the lost. We must be unashamed with sharing the gospel with those who desperately need it, who are heading towards an eternal destruction, towards death. Because it's not us who are doing the saving. The Lord himself will add to our number. The Lord himself will use ordinary, broken people like us to move people from death to life. And if we do that, how much would that mobilize us as the church to get on our knees and pray together that God will continue to add those from our families, our friends, our workplaces to our number to save them through the church. How much would that make us an authentic church community? So how do we do that? How do we begin to do that? How do we begin to become a people who are devoted to learning? We're devoted to the lost. We're devoted to liturgy. We're devoted to loving each other. Uh, the two things that I believe this, this passage really leads us to uh, practically consider. And the first is this. The first is to be cut to the heart. So this, this passage, uh, it starts with a very important word. It starts with the word and, right, and. And whenever you say that word, uh, you have to look back at you know, what it's continuing on from. And if you look a little bit further back, a few verses, you see that this church, they devoted themselves to all of these things because of what happened in verse 36 to 41. And what happened? Peter, he gets up and he preaches and he says, Jesus, whom you crucified on the cross, God has made him both Lord and Christ. And it says that the people were cut to the heart. You know, many of us have had this experience of being cut to the heart when we first came to know Jesus personally. We first heard the gospel, like really heard the gospel. But many of us need to be cut to the heart again. Many of us have hearts that are cold and small and trivial. Many of us are tired because we're carrying a faith that doesn't feel or look authentic at all. Many of us need to come before God today and ask him simply, Father, cut me to the heart again with the power of the gospel. Jesus, whom you crucified on the cross, who you have made both Lord and Christ. And if you've heard the gospel before, if you've been to church, you know, your whole life or 
for a few years or for a few months, or you've never been to church before, this is your first time today, but the gospel has never cut you to the heart in this way, then you are not a Christian. All right? It doesn't matter if you've been to the church your whole life and you've heard the gospel a thousand times. If you have not had this experience of being cut to the heart, cut to the core, being completely unraveled by this simple message of good news, then you're not a Christian. And I am earnestly hoping and praying that as you hear the gospel today, that the Holy Spirit of God would cut you to the heart. And the gospel is this. Jesus Christ, who was God and Lord, lived the life that you and I should have lived. And he was crucified on the cross in your place and in my place. So that God could punish sin and be just. Right? We, we, we need to see that. But also, so that he could show you that he still loves you. And that is the gospel. And it must cut us to the very core of our hearts. The second thing is to be devoted. Right? The first is to be cut to the heart. The second is to be devoted. And it's the key word that we see in this passage, devoted. It's a word that means to steadfastly give yourself to something. It's a word that comes to mind when you think about marriage. Right? You're not just turning up in a marriage. You're not just looking at other options when your spouse makes things hard for you. But you're steadfastly giving yourself to your spouse. Uh, you know, maybe to you, uh, you hear this, this idea of being devoted and, and that kind of community, it sounds idealistic, overly idealistic. It sounds like it's almost impossible to, to, to have that kind of community. It feels out of reach. And the reality is that, you know, our culture will tell us that. Our culture will tell us that that's too hard. Don't be devoted because to be devoted means, you know, you're giving yourself over to something that's too costly. Be devoted means, you know, you're creating expectations. To be devoted means, you know, you might be called to accountability. To be devoted means you're going to be inconvenienced. To be devoted means you ultimately have, you ultimately have to give yourself over to someone something else and the reality is that it is really hard to be devoted it's really hard to do all of these things because we are sinful and flawed after all but don't you see as we see in this beautiful picture of the first church that when we steadfastly give ourselves over in devotion to each other that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that same spirit is at work within us right? to cut us to the heart and ultimately to help our hearts catch up to our heads as we do these things. You know, I can't tell you how many times 
maybe you've had this experience before. I'm sure you've had, you know, it's hard to devote yourself to loving someone, to, you know, learning the word of God, to, to turning up to church, to, you know, going and putting yourself out there and sharing the gospel with the lost. But, but when you do, when you do, even if it doesn't start that way, it does grow your love for God and for his people. It does change you. It does lead you to this heartfelt devotion. Right? Let us be cut to the heart by the power of the gospel. Let's ask for it. And then as we do that, let's move ahead. Let's be devoted. Brothers and sisters of the World Church, let's be devoted. Let's be devoted to learning, to loving, to liturgy and loss. Let's be devoted to these things. I'm not asking you to be devoted to these things in isolation or separately by yourself. I'm saying let's be devoted to these things together. Not so that we can grow to become a great church, but so that we can be an authentic church. So we can be the kind of church where people will look at us and they won't see us. They won't see, oh, what a great community. But they'll see Jesus. And that's the kind of authenticity that we're pursuing. It's the first core value. I believe, you know, if we get this right, uh, it's really foundational to everything else that we do as we'll look at over the next few weeks. So let's pray. Good Father, Lord, we thank you uh, that when you save us, you don't save us to the individual Christians. Uh, you save us to the body, the church. You actually adopt us into your family. And to be honest, God, uh, for many of us, yeah, our experience of church, it, it looked more like a dysfunctional family. And it's looked like a healthy, kind of authentically connected and united and loving family. And we need your help because we want to be that kind of church community, right? We want to be an authentic family and that are devoted to you and are devoted to each other together. We want to be the kind of community where people will look at us from the outside and they won't see you know, how great we are, how, you know, just how you know, special our bond is or how good our programs are, how smooth everything is. But you know, we want to be the kind of community people look at us and they see Jesus, who is that king that they are rallying around, who is that king that they are giving their lives to serve. Well, we want to be that kind of community and we can't be that kind of community in our own strength. We can't just be authentic because we want to be, because we're going to try harder, but we need to be cut to the heart. Lord, I just pray that this week, the same simple, clear, beautiful gospel message that many of us have heard so many times would cut us to the very core 
would completely undo us, would unravel us. It would unmake us and humble us in light of our sin, but also in light of the amazing love that you've given to us in Christ. And as we do that, I pray that your spirit would help us and compel us to walk ahead, to move forward, to divide ourselves to learning your word, to loving each other, to public worship, and to the lost people in our lives. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.